421. 421 is brought to you by Crush Media Co., a marketing and communications agency that helps brands maximize their social content production, publishing, and engagement practices. Crush is where brand content and social strategy meet. Bill Chadwick is often referred to as the fifth monkey, not only because he was literally the last man to be considered before the producers of the television series settled on the final four group members, but also because his extensive involvement in composing, arranging, playing, and singing on many of the monkey's best-known songs, as well as collaborating with other artists of the era such as Donovan. In addition to his musical accomplishments, he also did stage lighting as well as made stage clothes for some of Rock's finest, including Jimi Hendrix and the Beach Boys, to name a few. So the first thing I wanted to ask you is what got you into music or was it just something you from from birth you just always had? Well, my it started out my folks would be, you know, just singing some old cowboy song or something, you know. Right. They were from West Texas originally and They'd sing, and they'd sing, and they'd sing, and they'd sing. And one day, I started singing along with them. And I was singing a harmony. And they said, uh, where did you learn to sing harmony? And I said, what is harmony? <laughs> and uh, they both looked at me. Well, my dad didn't because he was driving. But, <laughs> but uh, and I just, you know, sang all from then the rest of my life. Wow, so you had a very musical family you guys uh, oh yeah yeah sort of yeah. sang a lot together and yeah do you know what what sort of uh, musical influence did you have back then were there were there specific artists that sort of really uh, you know had a strong influence on you or well when i was really really little uh it was mainly country and western mm. because my folks were into country and western music we used to go on saturday nights we'd go down to uh I think it was called the Avalon Ballroom. It was on the um, Santa Monica Pier and go down to the Spade Cooley show and uh, listen to the you know, finest, best country western artists that, of the time. Mm -hmm. By the time I was in junior high school, I was, I was into rockabilly. And then folk music came along and I got into that, just kind of migrated from whatever was happening to whatever was happening. So this is now, uh, this brings us up to the early 60s. It's probably, yeah, late late 50s, early 60s. Okay, so it's the late 50s, early 60s. You're starting to get into bands at this point? Uh, I was still playing uh, pretty much by myself, and then I got a job offer from uh, uh, a member of a folk music group group, uh, that uh, was pretty well known at the time. It was uh, called the Weavers. They said, "How would you like to come along on our uh, on our tour? Where this is going to be our last tour, you know, famous last tour." I think it was their uh, it was their first last tour. So my pay was uh, room and board, and uh, everybody anybody I could meet 
and a lot of great experience of uh, being bet, around yeah. a lot of great writers. And then uh, somebody gave me a card one night and, and uh, said, uh, go down here one Monday night and uh, give this card to a guy named Randy, and uh, he'll put you on for the open mic, and there may be some kind of a job open for you. So I went down and gave him the card and he says i don't know who gave you this card and he says i don't know whose name this is on it but obviously uh, uh you went through all this trouble so you know i'll make a space for you he made a space for me and uh hired me at the end of the night but uh later on he formed asked me to form a group for him so i went out looking for people now this was this was Randy Randy Sparks Randy Sparks I'm right. sorry Randy, uh, in a club called Leadbetters okay in Westwood California right yeah. and Randy wanted you to find a band yeah he well yeah he wanted to put together something similar to the Christie Minstrels so we'd have these uh, songwriter workshops in in the morning and then in the afternoon we'd rehearse and in the uh, evening so we'd sing in the club and then uh, I was singing at the uh, Troubadour on Monday every Monday night and I heard uh, Mike and John in there and they Mike were, Nesmith and yeah, John London yeah they were new in town nobody else had heard them and I said listen I've, I can I'd like you to come over to the uh, to meet the people I work for they've asked me to you know find people for a group and and I think you guys would both fit in really well and I brought him over, and Brandy hired, hired uh, well, listened to him for about 15 minutes, and bingo, signed a contract with him. So they were doing the same thing I was at that point, and we formed that group. So you and 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 you and Mike sort of like had, so you hit it off basically oh, yeah. when you met. Uh, you just had, uh, you know, similar musical interests, and yeah, and you we sort just, of bonded a bit. Yeah, and then and we would do things as uh, duos, and and when John was available, we'd do it as a trio, and mm-hmm. lots of vocal and, work, lots of. Uh, were you doing a lot mm-hmm. of original songs at this point? Doing, doing a lot of. Uh, we do a few of my songs, but we do mainly. Uh, we do a lot of Mike songs. Mm-hmm. We did. We well. I guess it was about fifty-fifty. Are these songs yeah. that later would make it into the monkeys' repertoire? Uh, yeah, quite a few of them. And also, uh, one night uh, um, at the end of the evening, Linda Ronstadt came up because she was a person that would sing at the Troubadour all the mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. and uh, said, "You know, will you guys teach me different drum?" Uh, very short time after that. Suddenly, the it comes out on record. And we were both quite surprised, and Mike was quite happy. Yeah, I'm you know? sure. A lot of a lot of really interesting. There were also, I mean, it was an amazing time to be. At the Troubadour, I mean that was, I mean the birds. That's at exactly this point, where, playing exactly there. where I was going. Yeah, the birds would be there. Uh, Buffalo Springfield too. Was Buffalo playing Springfield, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So you and Mike and and John London had been playing together at the Troubadour, mm-hmm. and, and you know you obviously bonded. You had a friendship there. So you guys were sort of playing together. You were still involved with the uh, Randy Sparks mm-hmm. project. This is how the Monkees advertisement comes about for the for the. The famous variety ad. Yeah, uh, 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 this this all came through uh, the uh, Randy Sparks's offices. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, uh, Barry, this guy Barry Friedman had found the ad, and uh, he said, you know, you guys should be, uh, you know, you've worked together. So he said Barry Friedman, who yeah. was working for uh, for, for Randy Sparks, for Randy. he saw the ar- the article, the ad exactly, so, and suggested it to you, yeah, and I guess and Mike to Mike and I, and uh, we went down there, and I mean, at the the original day that we went, uh, for uh, lack of a better term, a cattle call. There were, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, and it was uh, no, 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 no. And I was watching people, you know, around me dropping like flies, and and I kept getting these calls back. So I was feeling pretty good. Yeah, you know? I mean, there were people like Stephen Stills who yeah, auditioned Steve, who got Steve rejected. Was there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve was there. Uh, what's his name from? Uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders. Uh, oh, right. Keith uh, Keith Allison, mm-hmm. uh, who sang background vocal on a lot of uh, monkey songs. And I, I remember going back time after time for uh, interviews with uh, different individuals, like with the producers with Rafelson. Oh yeah, and Rafelson and Snyder were, were totally involved in 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 the the casting of the main characters so you sat down with them you, yeah. you read with them yeah you, you, you yeah yeah well you, this we hadn't we hadn't gotten even to doing any reading yet it was all just kind of you know sit down and be yeah. yeah and trying to trying to get a feel uh a feel for the the person that was on the inside and not just uh the person that was uh coming in and scamming trying to get it wasn't a just a look it wasn't they wanted to see if you had a sense of humor yeah. and what your style was yeah, like yeah yeah exactly how you could you know react yeah. in terms of well, improvisation and, and they also like wanted to see if uh how you how you reacted to what they said and they wanted to you know have some kind of an idea about your uh politics because it was a pretty political time and uh so they wanted to make sure that they weren't uh, uh bringing some total radicals that you know that were going to sh- show up with the equivalent of uzis the first day on the set and say i'm taking over and <laughs> you know so but but we uh it was a lot of fun well i remember uh I knew Mike, and uh, I met uh, Mickey. He and I really, really hit it off. And, and you made uh, it pretty far down the line, I right? I made it down to five. Wow. Yeah. Now, you must have been at that time getting pretty excited. I mean, you know, you were getting called back. Oh, yeah. Things yeah. are looking good for you. And at the same time, I'm sure Mike is getting the same call, so you yeah, guys were well, probably... Mike, Mike, I had a feeling Mike was, was pretty in, and... Uh, uh, Bob Rafelson uh, really wanted me in, but uh, uh, Screen Gems had con- running contracts still, uh, long-term contracts with uh, Mickey Dolenz from all the way back when he was uh, uh, doing Circus uh, doing Boy, circus boy yeah. right, yeah. And, uh, and da- I think Davey, and too. And Davey, too, from when he did yeah. Oliver. Right. And so I had a feeling that uh, that they were in, and what they were looking for was two more guys. And so I, you know, really didn't think I had a chance to begin with because uh, Mickey and I had so uh, similar qualities, similar similar vocal tones. But uh, uh, Bob Ravelson uh, wanted me in there instead of Mickey. He says we can find somebody else to fill that. Uh, fill that hole because uh uh mike and bill have such a uh musical affinity to begin with we could have 
uh, not just another manufactured group. We could have a manufactured group that could really make their own music, write write right, their exactly. own music. Because uh, you had a history. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And you probably had... Uh, I mean, well, you definitely had more of a... Although Mickey was playing, I think he was singing in a in a group before that. He was mainly an actor. Yeah, it was mainly an actor and uh, uh, not so much... Uh, uh, more of a singer than a, uh, music, than a musician. Here we come Walking down the street We get the funniest looks from Everyone we meet So, so now... Uh, we get to the point where, because I, I saw in your book there was uh, the letter from Ravelson. Oh yeah, that uh, that must have been pretty heartbreaking at the time. Well, or disappointing, I, I should say. It was it was like a you know when you're at that level in the uh, in the music business, you can't let yourself get disappointed about things and bummed out because you didn't get a part or get a uh, contract. After the whole monkeys thing got started, you very quickly got back into the organization. Now you weren't a member, you know, you weren't one of oh, the yeah. original four. Oh yeah. But now, who who contacted you to get back in? Was it was it Mike? Was it was it, it Rafelson? Uh, it was Rafelson. Rafelson wanted me involved in as much as possible. I had I had a deal where uh, whenever there was a monkeys recording session, I got paid to for it whether I played or not, from right, if not from the get-go, you know, it's a long time ago to remember all the details, but uh, from, very, from very early on, it was like, you know, if they're in the studio, you're, you're getting paid for it, and you'll get a call, you know, and it was, it was neat. And the thing that was really double great about it is sometimes it would be, uh, Peter would be recording in, studio, in one studio, and... And uh, Mike would be recording in another studio, and I'd get, be getting paid for both sessions. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it worked out good. great for yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you were, and you started doing a lot of, uh, I mean, you were playing on a lot of tracks. And- oh, I was playing on a, a lot of tracks. But I, I was, I was doing uh, background vocals even before I was playing. Mm. But primarily, I was uh, uh, doing background vocals. I think I'm actually saying. Uh, with all the background vocals I did, I and all the tracking and singing multiple parts, I think I have my voice more times on Monkey Records than any of the Three Monkeys. By I say the Three Monkeys, I I don't think I ever worked with Peter. Mm-hmm. I don't. He recall. didn't have a lot of vocal yeah. work on the records yeah. to begin with. I think yeah. you probably can count on your hand yeah. how many times. Now I think a, a lot of times because your vocal tones are very similar to to mickey's i think when you listen to some harmonies on the records in 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 many cases it's actually you singing the high harmony probably with mike in a uh, lot of cases mike and, didn't sing too much uh uh background vocal uh, no i mean if he was singing oh, the yeah, lead vocal yeah, you're yeah. singing oh, the harmony it, it, with him. If, if it was mike mike and I always worked together because he knew where i was going to go and i knew where he was going to go i mm. i had uh from when i was real little i had a um an ability, just watching somebody, I could tell what next the next sound that was going to come out of their mouth was going to be. Yeah, really sharp instincts. Yeah, yeah, really, uh, really sharp instincts about uh, about 
not about anything else that I can think of, but about <laughs> about singing. Certainly not about contracts. <laughs> the uh, but. Uh, I could tell kind of what the word was going to be, mm-hmm. and, I could, and I could go in and a song that I'd never heard before. I mean, literally never heard before. Listen to the intro, just hear the intro, and they'd start singing, and just instinctively, I'd know when background vocals should be mm-hmm. there and what they were going to be, and where my part was going to be. Yeah, Mike must have been really happy to have you there. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we worked together really well, Mike. Mike. Uh, Mike. Uh, I can't thank enough for the uh, opportunities that he made available to me. Are there specific songs you can cite that say, that's me singing with Mike on, you know, I, uh, I, I talked to you earlier. Geez, I think I, I, asked I can't, you, I can't really think of them, but well, there's uh, one like Papa Jean's blues, right? From the first album. It's, it sounds like, I mean, I always thought it was Mike and Mickey, but it didn't, it sounded like Mickey, but not exactly like, no, Mickey. that was, that was me. That was you. Yeah. I have no more than I did before, but now I've got all that I need. For I love you and I know you love me. Uh, it won't be the same without her. That scat thing that sounds like a a, a girl that somebody's put clothespins on. Uh, the da 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 uh, da da da. Yeah, <laughs> off of the instant replay record. Yeah. Once you once you walked out of the studio, you were done with it, and and it was you were you know on to the next thing. Right, right. We might have we might have recorded it, and then you know two or three days later left on a tour and be. Uh, so Which, by a, the way, you were uh, their tour manager. Well, uh, well, I don't know if tour manager would really be the uh, uh, term. I I slept. Uh, 45,000 pounds of equipment every day that uh, there was a concert and, and uh, I did the stage lighting. Okay, uh, stage lighting. And this with is... them and I also did uh, a tour of stage lighting with Donovan. How, how did you get um, associated with Donovan? Was that... was this? Mike Nesmith uh, invited me out to dinner one night and uh, went to a soul food restaurant in uh, on Sunset Boulevard and Donovan was there. And uh, Mike had set the deal up because he wanted to introduce me to Donovan, and it was uh, it was basically uh, Donovan was looking for uh, somebody to do stage lighting for his tour, and Mike wanted to introduce me to him to do the stage lighting on the tour. And then I then I did some background vocals for him on uh, one side of the Barabba Jaggle album about a year or so later. And I did the stage lighting on the famous monkey tour that uh, Jimi Hendrix uh, opened for them. Which you became uh, friendly with, oh, yeah, with Jim- Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy and I became, uh, well, I was doing a bunch of uh, clothing, you know, uh, wild shirts and, you know, crazy things for... Clothing designing? For G- yeah, for Jimmy, for, uh, uh, amongst other people. I did Sonny and Cher and the Beach Boys and... Just, you know, just a whole bunch of people. You were designing just yeah. outfits for them to wear on stage yeah, and things I had like a, that? Yeah, I had a little uh, clothing shop. Uh, if you'd walk through the uh, 
open seating area of a vegetarian restaurant called Help, uh, which is right near Fairfax. The You'd go uh, uh, walk through their patio and you'd see this big painting of a cosmic eye, and that was uh, a, sh- a shop I had called Blind Camille. Now, you also you designed the outfit... Uh that Jimmy was wearing on stage at, uh, at Woodstock, I, right? Or th- well, I designed some some of parts of the stuff he was he was wearing. I did that uh, uh, American Indian uh, leather beaded vest kind of uh, yeah. thing that he was wearing. I did that in a lot of the silk shirts, the silk, especially the silk shirt I did uh, for him. I only did two of them: one for him and one for me. That looked like it had a tire tread running up it, you know. That it's just little, you know, secret beanings in it <laughs> that uh, a lot of people would like to see him with those tire treads running. Uh, and 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 designing outfits for the, this was uh, mainly things people were wearing on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were with obviously because you were a member of the organization when you were on tour with the Monkees in England in '67. Is this the first time you met the Beatles? Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you meet all four yeah. guys? Is this uh, is, yeah, met all four guys. Met all four guys. This is yeah. pretty much at their creative uh, yeah. peak. This is Sgt. Pepper era. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now you had you just had, shortly after the release of. Uh, in fact, there's a uh, a picture in my book of me taking uh, the release of the uh, of Sgt. Pepper over to the set because the guys hadn't seen it yet. I got a copy before they did, and I took, ran it over and and and. Uh, so you actually introduced the monkeys to uh, <laughs> Sergeant Pepper. Sergeant Pepper, yeah. I, I could be mistaken, but I think Mike. I know Mike was at. Uh, he was at the, at uh, the Day in the Life sessions, sessions yeah. and I think he played something on. Mm. And uh, Peter played banjo on a song for George Harrison on the uh, Wonderwall album now do you you had didn't you have some sort of uh, exchange with george harrison you guys did something musically together not musically except for just you know play and having fun oh you hung you hung out and yeah, jammed hung together out and jammed together and stuff like that guy would have loved to have you know become involved musically with him because we uh he and i and uh brian jones of the uh, rolling stones all had one thing in common and that was we had a a real strong interest in ethnic instruments. So, uh, in, in getting back a little bit to the to the music, um, there's a really interesting story about uh, you know, in addition to the songs you played on, songs you wrote because uh-huh. you wrote a lot of songs for them. Yeah, uh, some which appeared on records and some which didn't, didn't but appeared yeah. later <laughs> later on, and some which I hadn't wish they hadn't. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was uh, I was just as happy that they were hidden away with a vault. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a vault. Which which ones uh, didn't you like? That were? well, uh, <laughs> uh, of you. And when the skies are once more blue, I get that old longing to I love the song. Great I thought song. it was a great song, but it it was uh, it sounded like the Randy Sparks uh, uh, thing that was already dead in all of our minds and I can't figure out why it was uh, resurrected for something as uh, as cool as as the monkeys was I mean I I may be making myself sound uncool by saying so but but the monkeys was really pretty cool it was uh, 
in, in a way, uh, and not completely patterned after the Beatles films, but it was it had its own thing. It had it had that uh, that American flavor that that. Uh, you couldn't take out of it. It had a it had an influence from the Beatles films, but it went somewhere yeah, completely yeah, original. Yeah, it yeah. went it went its own direction, and it it uh, it gave the kids another uh, uh, that weren't as intellectual maybe as the uh, Beatles audiences something that they could get excited about and. Uh, be as important to them, you know. Well, it was a very revolutionary television show in terms of its style, how oh, it was yeah. edited, a lot of the fast cuts and things like that. That was never being mm-hmm. done on, especially on network television. It was it was a revolutionary thing, and the records themselves were. I mean, the enormous hits were being generated. Oh yeah. Uh, and this is something you're in. You know, basically you're in, involved with in a <laughs> very intimate way. It must have been really very rewarding. It was. It was. It was very rewarding. Both. Uh, Emotionally and financially. Mm. Now there was there was a very interesting story about the song you wrote, which was supposed to be in the film Head, which was uh, uh, the song "If You Have the Time." Yeah, which Davy was going to, you know, do the dance. Yes, definitely. Routine. Yeah. Uh, well, we it was it was it was crazy. The Screen Gems office was really cool. You walk in the front, and if you got past the secretaries. You walk down this hall, and there was offices, offices, offices. The first office on the left was Lester Sill. But all the rest going on back were songwriters. And the very back left corner was Boyce and Hart. Uh, Carol King and Jerry Goffin had their... It's over here, uh, just... You know the guys that wrote Hound Dog had their had theirs over here. Somebody else here, um, and these names, these unbelievable names to be associated with these people, and have my office in there. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah. 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 That was like, uh, wow. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's an incredible <laughs> floor of, say? of yeah. talent. Yeah, just yeah. To, to be legends, really. To yeah. be yeah, to be uh, to be associated with these with these uh, uh, le- uh, legends and have to think that, that I was uh, uh, in some way on a par with these people. Now, you had this, this song that you had written, If You Have the Time. You submitted it. And yeah, I think it was... It was, it was a, uh, another one of those things where it was a... Uh, they would give an assignment and uh, out to a couple of writers. Who gave you this assignment? Was it Lester Sill? Lester, Sill? yeah. And he was the, the musical director for... Lester was... was uh, uh, Screen Gems Columbia Music was was the publishing company. Mm-hmm. Cole Gems was a record company. I believe he was president of Cole Gems, but uh, a vice president of uh, Screen Gems Columbia Music. But he was pretty much in charge of making yeah, a lot of the musical yeah, decisions. Yeah, he, he, he was... Uh, he was the ultimate decision maker. Yeah. So you were handed this this assignment. Yeah. So I went home and wrote my song, and I didn't know if anybody else had been given it or not or whatever. But later on, I found that uh, Harry Nelson would, had been given the thing too, and I thought, oh, that's tough. He's a, you know, because Harry and I had worked together singing background vocals. I'd sang with him. I knew his. You know, I knew I knew just how talented the guy was, and I thought that's uh, this ain't going to be easy. <laughs> if you have the time, would you keep me in mind? Mind 
So I wrote, you know, wrote what I thought was the, the you know, best I could do, and and handed it in, and they said, okay, well, you know, we'll let you know. And a couple weeks later, called me in, and they played the two songs, and it was just so amazing. They were basically the same chord structures and the same. Uh, uh, they were just like we'd been looking over each other's shoulders or something while we were writing the songs. Years ago I knew a man He was my mother's biggest fan But I guess it was it had to do with with really under, uh, with Lester really making us understand what he wanted, he gave good direction. It, it's incredible how similar they are. I mean, yeah. they, they are and they aren't. I mean, they're obviously different songs. But, yeah, they're uh, different songs in different different feels and, and, and different. Uh, uh, di- they tell different stories, but but musically, they're uh, incredibly similar. And your song, which showed up later, actually, it, your song was. It didn't show up on an album, I think, until later on when uh, Rhino started releasing some of the. Yeah, I, I think it was on. Uh, yeah, I really don't. I, I could probably look through my stuff. Well, and I know find it's, it, it was, but, but the the strange thing is, it was dubbed into the television show to run on Saturday mornings. Yeah, yeah. Which, <laughs> it took uh, took the place of Zorn Zam. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. The uh, uh, Zorn Zam was the last uh, episode uh, of the Monkees filmed. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, a pretty a pretty famous monkey song. I mean, it's an anti-war song, obviously. Yeah. You wrote this with your brother. Yeah. yeah. Uh John. Yeah. Now, what was the he, what was the story wrote, behind he that? He wrote a rough set of lyrics and I edited the lyrics and and wrote the melody. Wow. So this is this is yeah. I think your I think it's safe to say probably your most well-known contribution to the Monkeys project Zorn Zam. Um, in terms of it was released it was it was featured in this episode this Frodo's caper episode it was on um the birds and the bees and the monkeys mm-hmm. album mm-hmm. um very topical 1968 it's a you know anti-war yeah theme I, song. oh i was i was surprised we were in Aus- uh did the japan australia tour we were staying in a hotel that was uh uh Directly across the street from where all the guys that were coming in for R and R from uh, Vietnam were, they you know come into Australia and sign in there, and if they were going someplace else from there, there they'd you know leave from there, but they had to report there first, mm. and, and many of them stayed there. Well, one afternoon I was standing out on the. Uh, Balcony with Mike and Davey and uh, Mickey, and uh, there's all these, you know, GIs standing out on the steps of this. And when I say all these, I'm talking about you know a, a thousand guys standing wow. out wow. Uh, on and on the steps of this hotel and out in the, in, in the street in front of it, and they started singing Zorn Zam, and I just you know tears were just like. 
Amazing. It was like like a rainstorm yeah. coming out coming out of my eyes. It was just just you know one of the most most emotional moments moments in my life. Yeah, you know? I bet. Just to you know, think of it right now, it just, you know. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. The king of sorry called for a war, and the king of Sam he answered. They fashioned their weapons one upon one. Ton upon ton, and they call for a war at the rise of the sun. Mickey just loved Zorn Zam and wanted to record it. That's In great. fact, when we email back and forth, he emails you know me as Zor, and I email him back as Zam. You know. <laughs> we 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 come to 1969, the Instant Replay album. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of, uh, you know, you you were working with Mike. You played uh, guitar mm-hmm. on, with him on "While I Cry," mm-hmm. which is a great song, and and uh, uh, won't be the same without here. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're singing with him, and and you're writing the song "You and I," which is a very heavy record. Yeah. Um, the special guest guitar player on that track was a very. Uh, my neighbor <laughs> yeah your neighbor neil young yeah who was in the buffalo springfield yeah, at the okay. time i had known him since the buffalo springfield first you know uh began now how did how did that happen like how did uh, you get him to play on this session or just I how did just, that come uh, about just you know we he was over at the house one evening and uh i said hey uh listen I'm, uh you know going in to uh record this song that i wrote for the monkeys and uh I really want your guitar sound as the uh, lead guitar, and uh, I'd like you to uh, uh, come in and play it. And he says, okay, but we can't put my name on it. He says, because if we have to put my name on if we want to put my name on it, we'll have to go through all that bullshit with the uh, uh, record companies of getting permission and, and you know, all that, and then... It'll it'll slow everything down and may get it may not. So he was but, happy just to yeah, contribute yeah, and yeah, help out. Yeah, a great guitar part. I mean, yeah. he really really wailed on that. Oh and, yeah. Blaine was playing on that. Yeah, well. that was the first time the rototoms were used. He had just received them that day. At the end of the track, there's yeah. that. Uh... <laughs> yeah. I wrote it about my relationship with the monkeys. I mean, it's totally about what we were. I mean, the monkeys was a manufactured image. And I was part of that manufactured image. Now, not the you know, the front end of it, but I was part of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was trying to tell my, fee- uh, you know, my feelings about, the, you know, in a year or maybe two, we'll be gone and someone new will take our place. Well, I was a Partridge family. <laughs> <laughs> 1969, 1970, you had put a uh, 45, a single out on, on Dot Records, mm-hmm. which was... Part well, of that was even, I think, before that. Yeah. It was before that, produced yeah. by Michael Nesmith. It, it might, was, it was, pr- it was produced for, before that. It may not have come out until then. Who knows? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. A song that you had written, Talking to the Wall. Yeah. Which you wrote in sort of a 
those were the days kind of exactly style. yeah 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 uh vic lewis who was uh, uh the rep for emi uh over here uh he uh took the uh a copy of the tape back uh and uh played it for paul and paul liked it enough paul mccartney that, yeah, yeah uh who had produced the first uh, Mary Hopkins song, Those Were the Days, and uh, liked the song enough that uh, he uh, took it and said, you know, uh, I like this, We're gonna, this is going to be her second single. So he recorded it, and then some other came, song came along, and he changed his mind, and, and that by, was the end of it. And the, way, so. the thing that really p- pisses me off, more than the fact that, it didn't become the single was I never got to hear what he did with it. I would really love to have hear, heard what he did with it. Yeah. Perhaps who knows one day it'll be yeah. uh, come out in the, yeah. from the vault somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but then, uh, Michael Nesmith went on to record the song on his, uh, tantamount to treason yeah. album, 1972, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Uh, but done very differently done like a, a, a country song. Yeah. Tell me as you stand Just exactly what you see As the sun goes down And midnight shadows fall Did, did you, were you happy to hear his version of I that was, song? I liked every version I, I heard of the song But I never heard it recorded the way I envisioned it uh, Except once And that's been lost And it was recorded in that cabaret style and that's the, the way I had written the song, mm-hmm. and it, it had never been recorded that way. Now, the the version that you released was that not? It, it, it still wasn't. It still it, wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Right. I couldn't. I couldn't talk the the people in the uh, record companies to letting me have the kind of musicians that I wanted for a. Uh, I mean, they didn't. They thought I was nuts. Because I wanted a clarinet player and a and a uh, uh, someone that would would play uh, uh, accordion or or something like that, you know. They, yeah. this, this guy is out there. <laughs> I have told you many times that love is not a game, and in your shame you promised you would change your ways. I guess uh, my favorite two songs that uh, that I was in. Involved with with the monkeys were uh, Soren Sam would would you know goes without saying and uh, French song. A little girl goes out walking in the night. French song was actually. There was a longer version of that, right? Because yeah. it was supposed to be a double album. Yeah, there was a long. It wasn't too much longer. It was like just seconds longer. It was basically you could hear the rain coming down and you could hear a cab door closing. You know, it was just a, a and little. She's little, gone. At the part loud, of the song, yeah, and she's gone. gone. Yeah, yeah. It's a little, just a little atmosphere thing. That, yeah. But. Then she's gone. I was very into uh, uh, photography and into film at the time also. And uh, that was my my film vision of of the song was kind of... Yeah, I could see that. Kind of overlapped into the recording of it. 
So you still, I mean, to the, you're you're still musically active. You're still playing, still interested in music, oh, yeah. And, yeah. and and maintained a relationship pretty much with uh, a lot of the people who you've yeah. been associated mm-hmm. with along the years. So all in all, you've been a pretty, uh, I'd say, a lucky guy. And <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I've I yeah. just uh, the opportunities I've had. I'm just uh, uh, so thankful for them. I just. Uh, I grew up in the right place at the right time, and you know it just it paid off, and and I was smart enough to take advantage of some of it, and and not smart enough to take advantage of all of it. Uh, Bill, I want to thank you for taking the time to uh, to chat with us and filling us in on this, you know, re- pretty incredible time in music. Any time, if you come up with some more questions, I'll see if I can come up with some more answers. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> Twenty one.